We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. The Mavericks just defeated the Atlanta Hawks on national television, their second straight ESPN and nationally televised game victory, uh, 103 to 94. Tonight, I am joined by friend of the program, Jason Gallagher, because Josh is still on a vacation. Maybe he may never come back. I'm not sure. Jason, how are you? I'm I'm well. I'm I'm the Trey Burke of this this podcast. I just, just a little heat up. Five fouls, you know, it's fine. You know, to talk about that game, we have to get the elephant out of the room, uh, just the elephant in the room out of the way immediately. That was bar none, the worst officiated basketball game I've watched (laughs) this year. It was pretty bad. And I wasn't even mad at the Hawks because it wasn't like they were, they were exaggerating calls, but they weren't doing it in a way that was egregious. They do, they did it in a way that Luca would do it or anybody else would do it. These refs were just absolutely out of their minds the I mean, the, had a normal they just needed to keep playing non-normal games and then they're just going to look great this is too straight where i'm just like what am i watching this is like the wwf Are was you- it your was it your former slow news colleague uh uh who, who said the seahawks never play a normal game Yes, that's that's Kevin Clark. Yeah, that's and so it's like that's what these Mavericks are starting to feel like because all these games are just weird. So so if you didn't watch the game, I don't know why because nationally televised games are always fun. But basically, Luca picked up five fouls at the start of the fourth or third quarter. Did not play much of the third, uh, any of the third quarter except for like the opening sixty seconds, and then didn't check in until eight minutes left or like ten minutes left in the fourth. Jalen Brunson also picked up five fouls in the third <laughs> quarter and the Mavericks were ahead. Uh, it's kind of worth noting that they played pretty good offensive basketball, hit a ton of threes, uh, 16 of 36 for the game. And that sort of kept them in it. And then the fouling just really got out of control. It was very confusing. So my, my, my five-year-old has been watching games with me and he doesn't understand the concept of like why fouls are called. Right. Um, and this was not a good game 
to explain him because I just I couldn't do it. And so it's just, you know, it, it was pretty wild. And then, you know, Luca basically came back in the game with and, and the Hawks just could not score on these Mavericks. It was bizarre. And Dallas just in net like slowly but surely lowered the boom on the Hawks and walked away with the, with a huge win. Yeah, I mean, th- and and not to mention that Trey Burke also got five fouls. So there's three guards, <laughs> three guards that were playing that had five fouls there. Somehow, none of them fouled out. But I think it got to a point. I mean, Jason Kidd probably for you know all all criticisms or whatever aside is probably savvy enough to know. Uh, this these refs cannot call many more fouls because I noticed defensively the Mavericks were super aggressive, super scrappy during the mm. that little referee hoopla, and they probably could have called some fouls, but they didn't because they they definitely weren't going to call any more fouls. So you had guys running into people and everything like that. It was awesome. So I that mean, kind of worked out to our advantage. So it, it was, and it's just such a peculiar game because if you're yeah. a person who likes to box score check and you go look at this. <laughs> There's elements of this box score that just make no sense. I mean, Luco shot terribly, six of 17. Dorian was three of 12. And Josh Green somehow got up 10 shots in well, 23 all, minutes. The thing that's been a real difference to me on, on the sort of the Mavs of late that have been playing much better is kind of what you're talking about, which is like you look at the box score and guys don't look necessarily good. Like, but there's something about what this group is doing that isn't seen in the box score that is so, I mean, obviously it's defense, but like Luca shot terribly, but Luca played amazing. Like, you know what I mean? There was this like mm-hmm. simultaneous thing happening. And I feel like that's happening with a lot of dudes on the Mavericks where it's like, yeah, Dorian didn't look great, but he, he also played a pretty good game. You know what I mean? I do. I do. And so it, to, to kind of give some evidence to your point, there were big time shots hit within the flow of the offense. So there are 25 assists on 38 made baskets. Luca had 11 of them himself. Uh, Brunson had five. There was just some really nice extra ball movement. I felt at times these Mavericks can overpass the ball or it's just like, nobody wants to take the shot. Yeah. And it was just, just big, big shots. Jalen Brunson. He apparently uh, needs to get more spot up threes because the man hit four threes in this game. And I would be willing to bet he doesn't have more than one or two games all year where he has hit that many three point shots. I mean, because right. he just doesn't take that many. I'm just doing a quick scroll through. Um, yeah, uh, that is the most threes he has hit in a game this season. <laughs> so I, just didn't play like a whole quarter, which is sort of insane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it was a really. Um, just when when Luca's in his bag, so he he seems to like to play against Trey. They both had some just incredible passes out of like driving kicks, and there was just stuff going on in that first half that was just like, man, these these guys are playing basketball at a different level. Though Luca nor Trey, neither one could hit uh, like a shot to save their lives. It was pretty it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, I would say the only difference sort of seemed is that is that Luca's shots that he was missing seemed to be a little bit more uh uncharacteristic like a lot mm-hmm. of around the basket shots he was missing trey it seems like he was missing shots that were a little bit more i would say a little bit more forced although he that those sometimes with him are, are his bag so um no but it was it was a really 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 weird game and i think i think um you know i was texting about sort of like you know dumb trade stuff blah 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 
and, and I gave Kirk the full disclosure that I'm not as well versed on the numbers as I probably should be before appearing on a podcast. However, it seems like Reggie, a player like Reggie, um, being in his bag while Luca is in his bag is the exact kind of combination you kind of need. And I know it's like, it's Reggie Bullock, you know what I mean? But it's sort of like, what is the maximum capacity of the Mavericks when, when KP and Luca are both on full cylinders? Well, it actually means that one of them is taking a break and the other is, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. is not, and that's not necessarily what this team needs, which is what has led me to the conclusion that, you know, Maybe Luca doesn't need that kind of star next to him, you know. Ah. Like, like in a sense of like Steph, what would Steph do with KP? I think about this a lot. Like, what would Steph? He needs like a a guy who's roaming around that perimeter, who is such, who's a who's a monster and contributing to the offense that's centered around Steph. Mm-hmm. Draymond, mm-hmm. same thing. Draymond is not this guy that you got to feed in the post and then they dribble a few times. And then if they're lucky and don't lose the ball then they'll shoot the ball and make the ball. But you know what I mean? It's like, I do it's like the archetype type players, the clay Thompson's those, those types, those are the types of players that Luca needs sort of reliably at his side. Um, and that's, what's been so inspiring about watching these last few games with no Luke or no KP, no Tim Hardaway, two guys that for them to be in their bag, it means that somebody that means they have to play take turns basketball a little bit more rather than a centered centralized offense. It's, it's interesting because the, you know, no one, anybody listening to this, particularly people who are big fans of KP are going to roll their eyes back in their heads and be like, Oh, not this crap again. But I don't mean this too critically, but I think like the time has sort of come to accept that Porzingis is much, much, much closer to a role player for this team than he is a star. And he, with his body and his just inability to kind of string together games, he's not going to be. And that's okay. It is not his fault he got paid this much. I'm not mad at him for this. It's also, it's also, he could, if he was healthy, he could be a star on a team that's centered around him. I mean, he was amazing in New York, but again, I I get that there's a there's a world where you're like oh maybe that pick and roll you know could could really mesh nicely together but I I think Luca is just a lot closer not in style but in sort of the way that you would frame an offense to Steph I really do believe it where it's like it has to be one offense it cannot be now it's KP's turn I mean how many games have we watched where KP's healthy where it's like you got to get KP going early I you know like it. And it's like it, it's just a misnomer. It, it's it's unfair to both of them because it places one on a pedestal closer to Luca, and it's just it makes him look bad. And it's he, also he, not the style of play that you're going to play down the stretch. So why no. even do it? Why not start the game off playing within the flow of your game? When we went to we went to um, I recently went. I, I'm, I keep bringing up Golden State because they're no. they're just a fascinating offense to me. We went to the Warriors game. Nobody couple, plays like them. So yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, but I got the I got the privilege to sit next to JJ Redick, my colleague slash boss. I don't know how you want to rephrase that, but he was just fascinated with the Warriors' offense, and was like, I don't know if I've seen a more centralized offense around a human being. And hearing Draymond sort of talk about that idea that everybody is out there to exist for Steph, whether the ball the play call is even for Steph, Steph is such a centralized part of that, and that's where I think like. 
Luca has sort of that's that's the offense that needs to to center on Luca. And even when sort of Jalen has to take over, I don't think the offense changes that that much. You know, mm-hmm. like the other role players are kind of doing what they normally do anyways. It's the KP thing that's really just sort of a wonky thing. So I think between him, between Tim, who again, like this is no knock on either of those players or necessarily, you know, but but I think that that it's hard to get them within the flow of this offense and it make like, I don't see it be, I feel like we've seen the maximum version of that. You and I've talked about that a million times. We've seen the maximum version of this offense and it's clearly not good enough. So we should try something else, you know? Well, I'll tell you where it does matter. Where Porzingis does matter is he, if he's not a star, he's a very solid role player who adds things and that these Mavericks are getting by with, just like it's a combination of of Dwight Powell, Dorian Finney-Smith playing some power forward, and then Marquise Chris is nothing short of insane to me because Maxi Kleba is missing time again. And I know Maxi's probably like your least favorite Maverick on the team, no. uh, which you know what? He does the great he that phone thing is really cool, guys. Very cool. <laughs> just, it's, I bring that I bring him up, though, to talk about like the Mavericks big man depth is just putrid, despite having a thousand of them. Um, it's it is it is wild and how their defense has sort of uh you know upheld whether through zone or whatever it might be is sort of miraculous and and the and the it helps that the perimeter perimeter defense has been pretty solid Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's helped a lot but yeah no it has been it i i i totally agree it's not like the worst thing in the world we don't trade kp but i'm just sort of like thinking about what is it that luca actually needs is it actually Chris Tapps Porzingis and are I kind of jokingly tweet or, you know I kind of jokingly uh texted you that that you know how the Sixers are in like the <laughs> the like with Ben Simmons they're just like if we get any like we get any piece back it's mm-hmm. it's an upgrade I don't think that we're there with KP but I am sort of like if we get guys that you know are I don't even need a player as good as KP at sure. this point you know what I mean? I just need like sort of somebody who can play within a flow of that type of offense. And that's, 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 that's kind of where I'm, I'm at, but. Well, someone who can play with Luka Doncic, who has come out of the woodwork and played like the guy that we had kind of hoped at the top of our dreams this summer is Reggie Bullock, who tonight poured in 22 points on six of 10, three point shooting. And he's just been outstanding in these three February games. Uh, I mean, it's it's truly nuts. He is 15 of 34 for the month, which is just preposterous. It's like he's I, I told someone he makes me believe in the gambler's fallacy because he shot so badly. And now he's just swung around almost entirely. To, it, it, to, yeah, it, it's it's crazy. And watching how he relocates is is really impressive and it's like you know you watch curry a lot like curry's biggest skill that no one like the people who don't watch a lot of basketball don't understand is curry's ability to like move without the ball and like bullock just always goes to the spot where luca can find him and i've just i've really enjoyed that sort of sense of shot making that's happened and it's you know i I tend to overreact to everything all the time like that's just my state of being and and for some reason i just always thought bullock was going to swing around like i i checked through my tweet history just to make sure i wasn't like demanding on a trade for him like november 15th which you know that's a thing i would do but it's just i'm I'm really glad to see because you know I, i think it's honestly a volume thing having him and tim on the same team wasn't going to work 
because he needs to take like eight plus threes a game. And that's where he's going to start, start hitting. If he's taking three threes, it's like, it's it's just, there's no value in him. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. But, but, but uh, not to keep coming back to this idea of like, if it, well, first off, Reggie and Luca clearly are, they, they have to develop a chemistry and it seems like they, they are, you know, he, he, Luca and I'm sure Reggie has his spots in the way that he likes to shoot. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a spot up, but it's, it's a little bit of a step. Like it's a little bit of a, you know, there's gotta be some sort of movement and he is, he is awesome. He's just like, he and Luca have found some sort of chemistry that I don't think was def. I don't think it was there at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, and that takes a little bit of time, but to go back to it, and the reason why I didn't mind Reggie, because I was kind of with you. I thought he was going to find it eventually. But if he didn't find it, you just plug in another guy who can shoot at there, and the offense stays the same, all this stuff. That is my continued, you know, issue with um, some other people on the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's for to a certain degree, we're all kind of tired of watching the same group. I will say, like, one of the things I'm curious about, and this is where, I don't know, you and I maybe need to, discuss this offline like i was i was having a problem i've had a problem with jason kidd's sort of passivity in the first half of games these last two games where he stands there with his pockets like somebody sent out i'm i think i'm too old for this i think this is an arthur meme but it it just a a guy like he has his hands in his pockets a lot does a little jason garrett stuff and then in the second half they really started working the refs and i don't want to be a refs guy but I need kid like like and he did it in the second half last game and he did it in the second half tonight where he kind of coached the hell out of him. And I get that there's like a time and place for that. I think Rick kind of micromanaged this team into the ground. Yeah. Um but but watching like at some points I would love it if if kid were a little more active. And it, it's it's kind of just it's interesting to watch because I cannot believe he didn't challenge that fifth Luca foul. Like yeah, that's insane. That was insane. I, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. I think generally what you're talking about, the overall demeanor, again, you you and I have talked at length about our issues with kid as, as, as uh, so we're just talking strictly with what, what it is you're talking about here, sure. which is the passive demeanor. And I think where it makes some sense that he is that way, whether we like it or not, is because he succeeded as a player most when coaches allowed him to sort of run things and actually take a step back and and he and rick kind of famously you know they they there was there was sort of the the you know tale that that once rick let go the reins a little bit jason kidd started to you know really run that offense and obviously it led to a championship so i'm sure there that still exists within jason kidd where he's like no in order for this team to succeed luca actually has to learn how to weirdly be a coach out there Mm, well and And, so that's go ahead and same with Jalen too I would say both of them and so that scene that that would not surprise me this is coming off of nothing more than just me bullshitting here but that would not surprise me based on his time in Dallas his career he just really succeeded man when he was the when he was like the coach out there calling plays so well and that kind of allows me to the one criticism I would love to offer. And so let me, let me make this clear because to our Slovenian fans who particularly the ones who I chat with, I love all of you. All of you tell me to pound sand whenever I say anything critical of Luca. It's my favorite thing. Uh, Sometimes, you know, I love Luca, but criticism is sometimes okay. 
the way he got his fouls tonight, and particularly yeah. when he picked up that technical foul, these are the growing opportunities where he has to stop. He just has to stop. He asked not to talk to uh, the media tonight, which I don't remember him ever doing that. He did so, that? Did yeah, that. he just, I, I, that just happened. I've, I've, it's, it's on Twitter right now. And so my, my question, or my, my thoughts are, it's just like, he is 22. I don't, like, he lives in this simultaneously very difficult position of probably not being old enough and mature enough to deal with the weight of the world on his shoulders while having the weight of the world on his shoulders. And these sorts of games, these opportunities, I'm just going to phrase it like this. It's a learning opportunity for him to stop this stuff. Part mm. of why he doesn't get calls is because he talks all the time. And I have uh, one woman who, who sent me a message just like, you got to use this. He's going to talk all the time. I'm like, then he's never going to get the respect that he deserves. Like that you, you can't show up the refs all the time. He's right most of the time, but that's not how the world works. Yeah. You have to kind of, you know, you have to save it or, and this is where kind of my criticism of kid comes in. I need more kid defending of Luca in real ways. Like get a technical, show up the ref once, make a statement. I don't think kid has any technicals this year. He lost, he's lost a bunch of challenges. <laughs> like I, I want to see that if, if, cause like Luca cannot do this alone. Does that make sense? I, 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 I completely agree with that criticism. And, and it's, it's one of those criticisms that it's like, you don't even necessarily blame him because he's so young, right. but it is a thing he has to learn how to do. And and the way he can learn how to do that is through the means you're talking about having a more vocal coach who's willing to get a tech for you. I also think, you know, in sort of listening to all these athlete interviews on and offline, I mean, they talk about it all the time, the importance mm-hmm. of having a really strong, heady vet on a team who can tell you when you need to calm the hell down. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, we we've talked about it before, but not having JJ Berea there really sort of, you know, that's, that's what you're missing when, when you don't have them, um, it, when you don't have that like really, really strong veteran presence. But I completely agree with you. He can't, he can't be doing that. And it's so ironic too, that us as a Dallas fan base is seeing this and recognizing this and how like, uh, you know, us complaining about the refs was sort of the downfall of us in the mid to late 2000, you know, it, obviously like, you know, to hell with what's his name with, uh, with Bennett Salvador. But, um, but, you know, once you kind of get to a place mentally where you realize you cannot do anything about the refs, um, you play better. Yeah. I mean, and we've seen it that we've seen that. And Dirk would literally say that he would say like, if, if bad calls goes your way, you can let it affect you emotionally and that will affect your play and that will affect the rest of it. And it will actually compound onto itself because it'll piss off refs. They're human. They're going to get pissed off if you cuss them out every day. And frankly, 2011, Mark Cuban shut the hell up. Dirk didn't, Dirk was just playing through whatever. And, Mm -hmm. That was the toughest team I've ever watched. Well, and to, to Lucas' credit, the fourth quarter, he controlled the game. The giant killer he hit, the floater, was just like his willingness to like to let this stuff slough off him and continue playing like it didn't happen is one of the things that makes him so great. I'm just bringing this up purely from a maybe let's not get there and let's kick the shit out of the Hawks on the front end. <laughs> I completely agree with that. He's just such a Luca's just such a he's such yeah. he's gonna be an interesting guy to watch for the rest of his career, obviously, for obvious reasons. But I think one of them is the way that uh the way that I've heard people describe him as like he just plays with a lot of fun. 
like mm-hmm. a lot of joy, like a kid in the playground. That's how he plays. That's how his teammates have described him. He just has a good time. But with that, you know, I when I played in the in the in the playground, I I also yelled at people. And I think with that comes like a lot of um passion, you know, and how to subdue that passion. And does that actually affect the rest of his game if he's not playing with that kind of passion? Because he's a incredible like he when he hits a shot, he smiles. Like players don't smile when that happens, but he's got a big old goofy grin and he's just a really emotional, passionate guy. It'll be interesting to see if he subdues that in any sort of way. Um, and and if that would affect his game, actually. I, I would be so curious because he just seems like he plays with yes. so much. No, that's true. That's a good point. That's And honestly, know. that's what most of the Slovenians tell me too. <laughs> well, you didn't know I'm Slovenian. Okay, well... Uh, J- Jason, this has been fun. Um, I could talk basketball with you always. I appreciate you taking time out of your Sunday night uh, talking uh, hoops with me. You got anything else before we get out of Dodge? I got nothing else, Kirk. Thanks for doing the Lord's work. All right, guys. I know. I know. Now I'm going to go host a, a, a green room where people will yell at me. It's great. <laughs> uh, this has been Kirk Henderson and Jason Gallagher. This has been Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Please like, subscribe, do all the fun things because it really, really helps. Uh, and I will talk to you guys later. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.